Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sixty-four weeks later, and somehow we still got a show. Welcome into the Rutgers Scoutcast, episode 64, a Rutgers football and recruiting and basketball and other stuff podcast on the Scout Network, brought to you by me, host Sam Hellman, your publisher over at Scholar Report. And again, this week, we will be joined by Scout National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan. You know, the word recruiting has been tossed around a lot the last couple of episodes because June, especially the latter half of June is, it's really the most important time in the recruiting calendar. Of course, you're going to look at National Signing Day or, you know, both National Signing Days now or official visit season and call that important. And and I agree, it is important. But that's where you round out a class and finish out a class, whereas June is where the heart and soul of your class is constructed. I wrote something a couple weeks ago on scarletreport.com about how important camp season was last year for Rutgers, and I think it was something like 65, 69, 70% of the Rutgers 2017 recruiting class participated in camps, and a good number of them were actually discovered in Rutgers camps in some capacity. And it's going to be the same this year. If you look at how Rutgers jumped from having just Jarrett Paul hanging out kind of by himself two months ago to where Rutgers is now with 11 commitments. It's the same thing. You have guys at every position that have now become top-tier Rutgers targets based on what they showed at camp. So that's kind of why we've been focusing on camp, and that is what we're going to discuss in the body of the show with Brian Doan. After this week, we'll get back to a more normal and widespread format so we're not just talking about recruiting. I know that that's not everybody's bag, baby. I'd like to offer my congratulations to Medina High School wide receiver Jalen Cooper for his verbal commitment to Toledo. Now you're going to hear this and say, why? He's not going to Rutgers. Who cares? Uh, Jalen Cooper's a really great kid. If you just Google his name and look up what he's been through in his life, the fact that he's going to college on a full scholarship is awesome and it's one of my favorite things about what I do is seeing kids like Cooper or you know whether it's Rutgers or another school getting an opportunity to go to college for free and play football at a place where they want to play now was Rutgers dying to pick up Cooper I don't get a sense that Rutgers was Cooper talked about how some schools weren't ready to take his commitment earlier in June when we spoke earlier in the week But good job by Toledo, and this is where it's about relationships, because from all the information I have, Washington State, a Power 5 school with a ridiculous offense and opportunities for wide receivers, really wanted Jalen Cooper, but he decided to go to Toledo because it was about relationships for him. Toledo was the first school that offered him. He felt most comfortable there. It's a little closer to home, and Toledo's getting a great kid, so congratulations to him. Enough rambling about recruiting, because guess what? You got another... 35 minutes to sit through of rambling about recruiting with Brian Doan and myself after the break. 
and we're back from our break now with scout national recruiting analyst Brian Doan, who by the time most of you hit listen, hit record, stream, whatever, Brian's going to be out in Oregon for the opening, but he's nice enough to drop by real quick to talk recruiting on a Rutgers standpoint, which, well, unfortunately for, for fans, doesn't have too much to coincide with the opening this year. But since we last sat to record, Kassan Abraham committed to Rutgers. Travis Jones committed to Rutgers. Travis Jones decommitted from Rutgers, and Rutgers also picked up Matt Rosso, Zamir Mickens, Deion Jennings, Reggie Sutton, and that's just while we're recording it now. We'll see maybe if other things happen between when this recording takes place and when the actual episode hits. Brian, how do you feel about the week that Rutgers football had? Predictable. I think if you listened to the podcast last week, you expected a lot of those commitments, or you expected some commitments. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Reggie Sutton's going to commit because it ruins his moment. Just like I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Jalen Cooper was going to go to Toledo, which he wound up doing on Wednesday, because that's part of the trust factor you gain with these kids. They give you some insight into your the recruitment. And I know sometimes people get frustrated, but it was an expected week. It was a good week. And when I look at the commits they pulled in, the one that's I think fans should be the most excited about is Reggie Sutton. Why? Because I saw him a few times live in the spring. I saw him during the season, and I, I liked him. I didn't love him. And then I saw him during the spring, and he got better. He got quicker with his feet. He got more accurate with his hand placement. He competed really hard. He did a lot of things I was really impressed with his biggest thing is he has to get stronger, particularly in the upper body. But, Sam, you and I stood on the Rutgers Stadium field and watched him work out at one of the camps. And if you didn't know who the kid was, you would have said, okay, he's the best kid here. Now, look, it wasn't a, you know, who's who of offensive linemen working out. No, no, no. But he was clearly and easily better than anybody else there. You know, and I would say the same thing about Deion Jennings in the first Rutgers camp, where there's, I don't know, there were maybe 350 kids there, and yes, Chris Banks was there with the offensive lineman, and he had a great camp, but there's, you know, 100 skill guys out there competing, and it was Deion Jennings and everybody else. There were other guys that had offers or were fringe offer candidates or underclassmen that will probably get offered eventually but it was again Deion Jennings was the best guy out there and really you look at the Rutgers camps and look at who the top one or two guys were at each camp that did not have an offer that earned one and that's how you build a class that's how you fill out a recruiting class it's what Rutgers did last year with the Hayeks and with Devera with Jayon Duggan you pick the top kids that stand out to you at your camp and you make him a part of your program. And the other thing you do, and this is where Reggie Sutton comes in, Reggie Sutton was one of the best underclassmen last year in camp, and he didn't get an offer. But I remember talking to him and his parents after that camp. They liked Rutgers a lot. Tyshawn Fogg was about to commit at that point. His teammate at Calvert Hall. Rutgers said, hey, we like you, but we haven't seen enough. Come back next year and earn it. And he did, and that's what you do, because I'm sure Rutgers is telling some 2019s the same thing for next year and planting those seeds. When you look at how recruiting works now, and everybody wants to star kids, and if they're not a four-star, how disappointing. If they're not a high three-star, how disappointing. It's early in the process, really early in the process. 
you have a whole senior season that has to play out for kids to get reevaluated, for growth to be made. And let's take Deion Jennings, for example. I saw Deion Jennings play last year. He was okay. He was a good prospect. Nothing, nothing great. I, I've known his dad for a while um, through Adonis, who I'm sure Rutgers fans remember. And so you get Deion Jennings comes to a camp. And he performs well, gets a Temple offer, gets a Rutgers offer, commits to Rutgers. I don't know if people were excited by it or not. I don't know if they got jazzed up. Now, if you're Rutgers and you're recruiting, let's say, a safety or an outside linebacker and you have one slot to fill and it's mid-October and you're looking around and Deion Jennings is there and he's playing really well and you say, okay, we watched him, we evaluated him, let's go offer him and get him, and Deion Jennings commits in November and signs in December, well, then everybody's jazzed up because he had a good season and he was an up-and-comer. But for whatever reason, and look, we don't rank... If you look at the 2018 class right now, it is not fanned out, filled with three stars. We've done a certain amount and we've stopped there, and other guys will get evaluated more as we move forward. What you have to say is, if you trust this staff can evaluate then you and develop, then you have to trust them with players. It doesn't mean every player is going to work out. I mean, shoot, Ohio State and Alabama loses kids with transfers. They don't work out there. If you take a 30 of your recruits and they're going to be really good guys that should start and you build your program, great. A third of your recruits will not work out. It's how you develop that final third is what determines the direction of your program. And you are not going to beat Ohio State regularly for the foreseeable future. And the only way you're going to do that is by getting the four- and five-star kids because, yes, stars don't matter. So they matter from the standpoint of if you're a four- or five-star kid, you are really athletic, all right? Three-star kids, you can have the athleticism. It's just not quite there, but they're also really good players. The question isn't how do you beat Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State. The question is, how do you beat the other teams in the Big Ten? And you beat them by getting good, solid players and developing them. And I really think a lot of people lose sight of that, especially now when everything seems to be about how many offers did a kid have and how many stars did he have. Well, how many offers did Deion Jennings have a chance to get? Because he sure as heck didn't camp many places. I mean, I saw him at Nike, saw him at Under Armour, as did you, but he didn't camp a ton of places. So you can't, you know, would you feel better if he went to Illinois, Indiana, Iowa State, Kent State, Toledo, and got offered, and UVA? Would, would that make you feel better? Because he didn't go to any of those camps, so he didn't have the opportunity to get offered. I feel, I feel like we could be having the same conversation a lot. I mean, look at a guy that we, we kind of teased on Saturday and came back with an offer earlier in the week, Kmar Mims out of Long Branch. Well, he's been to three camps this year. And guess what? He has three offers. Every camp he's gone to, he's come back with a scholarship offer, most recently with Rutgers. He's not camping anywhere else. I don't think he's going to get a lot more offers. But if he's, you know, the staff thinks he's good enough, he's Shalik Calhoun's brother. That should tell you a little something. Uh, then I hope people like to pick up if that happens down the road, which, you know, you can read all about him on the site. Something that, that stands out to me when I, I look at the way that this Rutgers class is coming together I see a lot of confidence. I feel like this coaching staff is approaching recruiting with more confidence than the past staff where it's like, 
they really believe in what they're doing in the building. You know, look at these look at these schools. Erasmus Hall, Pensbury, where Rutgers has taken three kids in the last six years. St. Peter's Prep, Timber Creek, Calvert Hall. These are all schools that make a ton of prospects. When you take kids from these schools, it shows, I think, that Rutgers is confident that, all right, we're going to show Zamir Mickens just how different Rutgers is and how great of a program we run. So then he can go and tell everyone else at Prep how well things are going. That's what stands out to me is instead of trying to hide the shortcomings, and Rutgers certainly has shortcomings, it's come inside the building, see what's really going on, and we believe that younger people are going to follow suit. We talked about that last year when we were talking about the class, and the idea is you. the reason to get some Jersey kids is so they can go tell their friends how great it is there, and, and it's a long build. I mean, folks, I'm, I'm tired of saying it. The guy before Ash destroyed the program. Kids wouldn't even visit, didn't want to talk to the coaching staff. That doesn't go away easily. I thought it would go away a little easier than it has, but it doesn't go away easily. Um, there's a lot to overcome, and it takes time, and, and kids want to see progress. You know, the, the 19 class will get built on the progress shown in the fall of 18 on the field. And progress isn't measured in wins and losses. If you go 2-10 and 10 and you lose a game to Ohio State at the buzzer and to Michigan by 5 and Penn State by 6, you still lost those games, but it's progress. And so everybody says, well, how many games you got to win? How many games you got to win? It's not about how many games you have to win. It's about progress and belief in the program. And that's how you change it. And that's why we've said why it is such a long build that people don't want to listen to it. They just refuse to. There's a segment that gets it and understands it. And then there's others that will sit there and go, well, they can go to a bowl game this year. Good luck with that. So the other thing that I think is going to continue to come up, especially with the reaction to how some things went down with St. Joe's Montville on Saturday is how Rutgers is struggling with some programs. And I think, Brian, that kind of relates to your points about the past program, the past coaching staff. You know, I listed some schools, and you can build classes on some of these schools that we discussed. You don't have to have a kid from St. Joe's Montville and a kid from DePaul and a kid from Bergen Catholic to build a championship team. If you recruit the right kids at the schools Rutgers is recruiting now and keep doing well, that's enough for me. I mean, Erasmus Hall, look at Curtis Samuel and what he did coming out of there. Look at look at some of the St. Peter's prep kids that have developed recently. I mean, look at what Minka Fitzpatrick is doing or Brandon Wimbush. There's going to be more of those guys that come from those schools. So it's not like, of course you want to have good relationships with every school, but it's not like Rutgers is screwed because Matt Alamo is going to pit. It's not really how this works. And frankly, I don't think Rutgers would have taken him anyway. There's a lot of schools weren't going to take him. The relationships take time. I, you know, I hear about the relationships all the time with the Catholic schools in North Jersey. And I think it's important to not include St. Peter's Prep in that group. On a different spot geographically than a lot of the other schools, they're attitude toward Rutgers has been different and very favorable. I mean, one thing about Rich Hansen is he's a stand-up guy, and I know Rich told me he'll never steer a kid to a program, but since Rutgers is the home state school, he will make sure his kids always visit there. And if you go down the list, 
I don't care if it's Minka Fitzpatrick or, you know, going way back. Take whoever you want. He always made sure they visited campus. I mean, Sam, you and I have been there when we're like, wait, Wimbush is here? What's he doing here? Brandon Wimbush, who Rutgers wasn't even recruiting, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Kyle. Even he would take visits to campus when Rutgers wasn't even recruiting him. Yes. So, yeah, the Adam Alolas, who had already committed to Notre Dame, they've been to Rutgers five times since they committed. They were at Rutgers on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think that other schools are kind of like that. I mean, especially now that Mike Teal's at Don Bosco, Rutgers will be, and had been under Greg Toll during most of my time, treated fairly. And you don't have to win every single school. In fact, you can almost play off those rivalries because guess what? Bergen Catholic and Don Bosco hate each other. Yeah, yeah, and and you look at the history though, and we've been doing this a while. John Simmons from Bergen Catholic went to Rutgers, but there's not a lot of kids going to. You know, it, it's not like Bergen Catholic was just shipping players to Greg Schiano. Bosco, other than the one year wasn't shipping them, but I think Bosco has a pretty good relationship with them. I mean, you'll get Rutgers is going to get kids that they want from there. They could have had Davon Ellison, who went to Syracuse, but they didn't really recruit him. There's some kids they could get from there. Um, Paramus, they, they got a kid there now. I know he's a New York kid, but Jared Paul's at Paramus. DePaul, I don't feel like, you know, John McKenna steers kids anywhere. I just don't think they do, and I also don't think Rutgers recruited kids very hard. They didn't recruit Michael Dwumfor, who wound up at Michigan. Um, first, he was committed to Penn State. Rutgers really didn't recruit him. So some of it can get overblown, but the realistic aspect of it is there are programs in North Jersey, the Catholic schools, that would rather look elsewhere than send a kid to Rutgers. And part of it is, you know, recruiting. You know, a big one is Jason Awe out of the Blair Academy. Went to Rutgers Prep for a bit. Um, I think he's from Homedale, if I remember right. Um, right down that, right down there in that area. He's at Blair Academy. And I was speaking with a coach that I know who told me, you know, right now if you look at Awe, Notre Dame, Ohio State are the two schools. Penn State's also pretty heavily involved. You're not going to Blair Academy for $50,000 a year as an in-state kid to go to Rutgers. Now, you can agree or disagree with whether that should be the case, but that's the mentality. And there's a lot of pressure from the school for Awe to really give Harvard a really good look. And you understand why. It's, it's a really good academic school. It's Harvard. So it makes sense. So there's a lot of built-in disadvantages. The, Rutgers has built-in advantages in you know trying to sell the New York area. And you know, they don't come under the scrutiny of some other places from the standpoint of there's 74 pro teams. Now, you can say whatever you want to get about NJ.com and how they cover Rutgers. I, I don't really care about that because kids aren't reading that outside of New Jersey. Um, and having worked in L.A., Sam, the newspapers there don't move the dial very much on USC and UCLA because... It's a pro town. It's the way it is. In Boston, you know, Boston College isn't going to be moving the needle, no. right? So you look at it from the and everybody say, oh, NJ.com, whatever. But the point is, you know, the advantage that Rutgers has is maybe they wouldn't, the player themselves may not be scrutinized. Maybe the administration would, but the player themselves aren't. 
kids like that aspect of it, to be honest with you. They, they don't love doing interviews, but it, it's such a convoluted process. I think the uh, the only other thing that we should touch on before we jump into the Rutgers Scoutcast mailbag this week. Mailbag! And I don't even want to know. The 7-on-7 seven seven tournament, the 7-on-7 seven seven passing camp, whatever you want to call it, took place on Saturday. Brian, you and I were both there. The event was supposed to start around 8, 39 o'clock, didn't start till 11 because of weather issues, ended up running until 7 o'clock, so a bit of a mess there, but overall it was a good event for Rutgers that led to a commitment from Zamir Mickens at the beginning of the day. Matt Rosso committed at the end of the day. He wasn't on campus, though, and gave Rutgers a chance to check in, you know, shake hands, put out fires, whatever you wanted to do. You're there all day with a lot of big-time kids. I think that the 7-on-7 seven seven is probably the most underrated day at Rutgers when it comes to value for the program and building relationships, and for us, too. It's a huge day. A couple things, and we're going to touch on the good and the bad. The good, you're right, you get to see a ton of kids. Um, Rutgers can watch them, and it's all, you know, you get your one evaluation period during, visit during the spring where you can go to a school and watch a kid work out. Well, the seven on seven gives you another venue like that to where you're competing so you can see if a kid wants to compete. You know, at six o'clock on Saturday night, there's some coaches that were like, hey, we need to lose a couple games in the, you know, in the pool play so we don't have to be here till 7 at night. But you see what kids really want to stick around and really go hard and win. And you see the competitiveness. You see the competitiveness within games. You see their coachability, how they get frustrated, how they handle success. So it's valuable from that. Plus, kids are sitting around between games and they'll sit with a coach for a little while. And it's, it's a really good evaluation period where the coaches can also interact and you know because when they're in the spring they can't interact with the kids when they're going to the schools now the downside we were there sam at a little before 8 30 tournament was supposed to kick off at 9 30 it did not kick off on time as we well know and the big issue was flooded fields and you can talk about facilities and you hear it all the time, and, and well, Rutgers is raising $2 million for baseball or $3 million, or they're doing a practice field. Look, man, this stuff's got to get fixed because the reason there was a delay, because these fields were unplayable. They had lakes in the middle of them, and these are where, you know, you, they're your fields that you need to look good, and, and here's, the, here's where you get at it. And I, I was talking to a kid who said, he was at a camp of another Big Ten school, and we were talking about the rain and, and the fields being soaked, and and it wasn't ruining his day that he had to sit there for two hours, but he just brought up in conversation that it rained like crazy at another camp, and they had no issues with the fields. The fields drained. They had plenty of space, but here you are at Rutgers, and you're moving things around, shifting people because the fields aren't any good. And I bring it up to illustrate the point of there's a lot of work that has to get done to even approach a level playing field with some of these other places. And I always go back to the time when I think one of the Rutgers Sports Information Directors for Baseball tweeted out a picture of the Purdue press box and field and stadium for baseball. And it's Purdue. I mean, we're not talking about LSU or Miami or Ole Miss. It's Purdue. And it was gorgeous. 
and then you go to the Rutgers one and you can't you don't know if you're at Piscataway High or at the Rutgers baseball field. You go back and you look at what we did facilities-wise when they were moving into the Big Ten, and we said these were, I think, ten things they need to do facility-wise. I think I'm going to have to go look that up and see if they've made progress on more than one or two of them. Now, this year is a bit of an anomaly with that because you have six games worth of fields under construction with the Pataglia field that would have been usable last year or this year. So part of the reason why it was delayed so much is because you lost those six fields. Which also made them have to shrink the fields because those fields were normally used anyway, so they had to shrink the number of teams that could get into the 7-on-7. Which didn't stop teams from forcing their way in at the last minute anyway. (laughs) One team did do that, and stunningly they have some prospects. Yeah, but that was an issue. I I was talking to Ahmad Anderson's coach about it, and guess what? That We're not talking about a Jersey school there, and you know what the coach told me? He said... Yeah, it's a bit of a delay, but, you know, it's not going to be like that for long. I, I, Coach Ash was showing me what they're doing with those practice fields, and we love it. We can't wait to come back next year. So you get a little bit further away from uh, the, the whole New Jersey not a fan of Rutgers thing, and some schools don't really mind it. But the other, the other value for the 7-on-7 seven seven camp is that it's within your 30-day camp window. So if you see a kid like Trayvon King, who you want to get to know better and you want to see work out, Maybe he comes a couple hours early and uh, runs some routes. Perfectly legal. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. You can do that. And and the thing is, it can also be after he's released from the camp and he can do stuff like that and you can hang with the kids. Yeah, look, they did a really good job of maximizing the time window to see a lot of kids and get a lot of kids on campus. Again, they're not at the point where they're going to be recruiting the four- and five-star kids. They need to work kids out. They worked out a number of kids. Some wound up committing. Some left with offers. And some may never hear their phone ring again from Rutgers. And for a variety of reasons. But I think overall, it is a great month. I I love June because of all the evaluation that goes on. Because we always hear, this kid's huddle tape is amazing. Yes, it is a highlight tape. I don't think in huddle they're going to put them. Sack machine. You play... 11 games, I would hope you have four minutes worth of good plays in those 11 games that you can make into a highlight. It's what you do outside of those highlights. And there's a player in South Jersey that a lot of people thought were going to a top 10 program that wound up at a mid-level program because of a game tape and not a highlight tape. So people always think I'm the positive one and you're the negative one. But how um, is that possible? Well, unfortunately, I'm. Do gonna, they not listen? I'm going to play the bad cop here because I got to close out the seven on seven tournament recap with a bit of a story, and I think that this kind of shows why it's a little tougher to recruit at Rutgers than other schools. So the final St. Peter's Prep versus Whitehall. Whitehall is the Eastern Pennsylvania school. Saquon Barkley School, correct? That's where the fun comes in. Coach is from Freehold. Right. My wife's alma mater. Okay. Go oh, that free, go free birds or whatever we are. That may be Barrow. Okay. Well, here's the thing. So I'm I'm sitting I'm watching this game. It's the last of a thousand games I watched that day. So I'm honestly I'm not paying that much attention. But one of the dads at St. Peter's Prep, which is a school that Rutgers recruits pretty hard, comes up to me and says, "Hey, hey, who's this school? Where are they from?" And I say, "That's that's Whitehall." 
They're they're from Eastern PA. He goes, oh, okay. I said, you know who Saquon Barkley is? That's the school he went to. Because I feel like most people know who Saquon Barkley is. He goes, oh, Saquon Barkley? I love Penn State. That's my favorite school. I got to go say hi. That's, <laughs> it's the St. Peter's prep dad who probably lives within 20 minutes of Rutgers. That's the point I'm trying to make. Is You think that happens 20 miles away from uh, Penn State's campus when, I don't know, if New Rochelle camps there? You think that you tell someone, oh, that's Ray Rice and Courtney Green School, and they get all excited? Things are tougher here. And to follow up on why for some of the younger people that may be listening, I'll put it to you this way. If you were a kid in the 70s or the 60s, and maybe even the early 80s, and you went to Rutgers, you went to the game, and you watched Rutgers play Lehigh or Lafayette or Colgate or Princeton or Columbia... You get the idea. Or BU. The big team that came in would be Syracuse or Boston College or Pitt later on. And so they had no lights at the stadium. So the game had to be over. It was an afternoon game. So what do you do when you... And it wasn't on TV. New Jersey Network, yeah, some of them. So what did you do? You went to your local game. And then you went home and you watched your national power. And you said, okay, who do I like? Do I like Penn State? I grew up... I loved watching Oklahoma. I loved watching LSU. Those are two of my favorite teams to watch. And they were on at night or whenever it was, and I could watch them. Um, that's what you're up against. So when this guy comes, I'm guessing he's probably more than 40 years old. So he grew up. You pick. I mean, your team is either Rutgers, who's playing Lafayette, Lehigh, Bucknell, and you're a diehard and you're staying with them, or you're going to root for them and then go on to your next thing. It is Rutgers Scoutcast mailbag time. And Can you do the, like, you've got mail thing when you do the mailbag now? You mean, like, like... Getting, 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 you've got mail. Oh, like AOL? Yeah. Okay. You've got mail. I thought you meant the movie, and I'd rather watch the movie, personally. I've never seen the movie. I don't even know there's yeah. a movie name. Well, you're going to have trouble in the mailbag then, so there's some foreshadowing. But the on-topic question this week, before we get to that, uh, Brian and Sam, who's the best player that you saw at a Rutgers camp this year? Um, well, that, that's kind of tough to deal with. Um, Sam, you probably saw a lot more players. but uh, We both went to the 7-on-7. Seven seven. We saw the same amount of players. Well, I mean, okay, you want to tell who's the best? Shane Simon, St. Peter's Prep. He's not going to Rutgers, but he's the best player I saw. <laughs> I was going to go with Aaron Cruikshank in that same thing. I really like him, the wide receiver out of Erasmus that just committed to Wisconsin. Hey, he's, he's fantastic, but he's you know I like Shane Simon more. That's why he's rated higher. All right, so let's just to expand on this a bit, let's say who's the best Rutgers-level or Rutgers-realistic recruit that you saw in the camp this year? I have two of them. One we already talked about on here, Reggie Sutton, so I won't bore you with that. The other is the Mimes kid out of Long Branch. I yeah, watched him. Yeah. I... I, I Watched him run some routes. I don't know if he's a D end. I don't think he's a tight end. I don't think he grows into a D tackle. I don't think he's an offensive lineman. But I know he's really darn impressive, long, athletic. Here's how good he was. And Sam, I had told you this when we spoke on the phone during the week, and you were going to get do a story on him. Two stories. Wow. Yes. I said, Sam, he was so impressive. I took my camera out of my bag and took some photos of him, so we had him for the database. Which, the point being, I'm not gonna, just going to shoot a photo of a kid who's a slappy. 
the kid better be a prospect that we're going to write about. And usually I'd be like, hey, Sam, go get him and you'll need a photo if it's if it's something like that. But for me, yeah, yeah, I, I would say he was impressive and surprising. I, I think uh, just to stay off the seven on seven, we've talked enough about that, although I really like Masai Maynard's upside at St. Peter's Prep. I, I'm going to say the guy that, you know what, I'm going to say Chris Banks really stood out to me. As far as a guy in a camp that is a Rutgers target, Chris Banks dominated at Rutgers just like he did at Nike and at Under Armour, and he got the offer. So I guess just if we're putting away that 7-on-7, I would go with Chris Banks. Off-topic question, Brian, you're going to struggle with this one because you've never seen a movie before in your life. but I've seen Fantasia, Fantasia 2000, Harry Potter. One okay. through one through eight. Well, Daniel Radcliffe will be a great answer for this question because the question is, Who's that? the question it's Harry Potter. The question is, who would you have play Chris Ash in a movie? Ah, oh, jeez. You have an answer on this. I one? do. You go, you go first because yeah, you like you, you like to be surprised by these, whereas I kind of have time to think of them because I picked them out from the yes inbox. Yes. Uh, my answer, age is a bit of an issue now, but my answer has got to be Peter Weller. If you don't know who that is, that's RoboCop. I mean, who better to play a robot head coach than RoboCop? So that's my answer. You know, I will say this. I wish the actor was a bit younger. And then it would fit in a little better. But I like Dustin Hoffman. I like Dustin Hoffman just in terms of seriousness, looking forward, has a good sense of humor that a lot of people don't know about. But I also get the sense he could play it really well. You know, I could see if... I could see Chris Ash reacting very similarly to the soup Nazi if you order wrong, so maybe that that could work. And he's got kind of that Al Pacino look. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I, I disagree. I mean, having spoken to Ash sometimes, he he's got a good sense of humor. I just don't think he lets it out. Very so much. does the soup Nazi. He just only shows it to Cosmo. <laughs> so what would if you're looking at that and and let's say some kid named. Kamoko. Kamoko. <laughs> um, goes off sides or is a 12th man or doesn't go out. What does he say to him? No play for you. Yeah. Can't you see that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No reps for you. I could see that. No reps for you. I could see that. But also knowing last year there'd be a lot of, he'd, he'd probably go horse. Final thanks to Scout National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan who is out in Oregon this weekend for the opening. Unfortunately, not too much Rutgers news expected out of the opening this year, but we'll have all the news for those of you that are interested in general recruiting. We'll have all of that available for you. So just you know, stay tuned on Twitter and stay tuned to the site. Now, of course, anyone listening to this, by the time it becomes available for public consumption, heard the name Chris Banks in the mailbag and said, well, he ain't a Rutgers target anymore. Yeah, I know. That's one of the perils of having to do a podcast where news changes so fast. Sometimes things change. Now, I, I, I mean, I expected Chris Banks to probably end up at Boston College. I did not think it would get announced this quickly after talking to him and his head coach at the Rutgers 7-on-7 seven seven on Saturday. I thought, Maybe this one could drag into July. Maybe Rutgers could make one more push. But that didn't happen. Chris Banks verbally committed to Boston College. That's a tough loss for Rutgers because it's a guy that, 
you know, there's those guys that Boston College is always going to beat Rutgers for that schools that maybe the average fan does not think Rutgers should be competing with or should Rutgers should be doing better than. You know what? Chris Banks wasn't one of those kids. He's a kid that I really thought Rutgers should have gotten, but it also falls down in those relationships we talked about in the body of the show. I mean, look, th- things aren't <laughs> aren't so great at DePaul, just like they're not so great at a lot of other schools in that area. And this is another example where, hey, guess who's an assistant on the DePaul staff? Nick Campanelli. Guess who's coaching over at Boston College? Anyway, that's enough recruiting. And I hope that people enjoyed this episode. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people didn't because we got pretty inside, maybe a little bit too inside at times to where the conversation didn't make sense or it was hard to keep up or got confusing. We'll try to I don't want to say slow things down because obviously the Rutgers fan base is a smart fan base, but we'll try to be a little bit more general with the discussion the next couple of episodes because I get it, not everyone cares about recruiting, and that's been the focus of the last two episodes. You know, of course, that's the reason we did the last two episodes because this is the hottest recruiting season outside of National Signing Day. But now it's done, thankfully. I guess, you know, there's a couple announcements coming in early July. I expect some very, very exciting news that might come out of left field for some fans to drop sometime between now and the media days at the end of the month. We'll keep you posted on that. Hopefully we'll be getting back involved with guests soon. But, look, when you're out of camp all day, it's not like, you know, I would have loved to have some of these guys that I saw at camp on the podcast, but I can't pull – you know, Coach Rich Hansen out of a team meeting at a seven-on-seven and throw a headset on him for a podcast. It doesn't work like that. Hopefully we'll be getting back to the guests pretty soon. Regardless of that, as you can hear from the background, it's it's a busy day on 287 here in the uh, Piscataway Tech Corridor, but that marks the end of another episode, and probably for now the end of the recruiting-heavy episodes. We'll get into team stuff and start previewing training camp and talking hoops and all that good stuff very soon. I am your host of the Rutgers Scoutcast, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.